Hello everyone and welcome to episode 415 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm your co-host and CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre where you'll find writing courses and a wonderfully supportive writing community. I'm here with Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of The Firestar, A Maven and Reeve Mystery. How are you, Al? I, uh, look, I'm all right. I, I'm moving house. Yes. uh, As we've discussed. So my house, my beautiful house for which I will grieve forevermore is sold. There will be new owners moving into my beautiful house Mm. and my beautiful garden. And I am packing boxes because next week. Oh, the joy. I'll be out the door. I know. And you know the wow. pain of it. And making the 1,000 phone calls involved in moving everything, oh. electricity, you know, yeah. just <laughs> changing addresses, mm-hmm. getting the mail redirected. Mm-hmm. You just, it's like childbirth. You kind of forget until mm. you have to do it again, just why you didn't want to do it again. Yeah. I'm yes. just remembering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm remembering. So that's what I'm doing. What about you? I'd like to be doing something else. I'd like to be writing something, but I'm not doing that. I'm I'm packing boxes. What about you? What are you doing? Well, I have recently moved house, so I'm at the tail end of all of that, and I am discovering all of the little things that I forgot. (laughs) Oh no! Like what? Make a list so that I can be it can be ready. I shall. I shall. You know, and uh, just the things that you kind of think, oh yeah, that. So I really need to, so those things I think I'm not going to even be able to think of, otherwise I would have already. They're just going to come up as and when they come up. So we'll see. I need an example. What kind of thing are we talking about? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Let me just think. Um, Just some of the, like looking at my um, pile of redirected mail um, at the moment, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, there's that, you know. I really need to. Well, I I was thinking about that today because, some of the things, uh, so I, I get a lot of deliveries. I get a lot of book mm. mail via courier, um, you know, for the for this podcast, for the Your yep. Kids Next Read podcast. I get a lot of deliveries, by, and I'm going to have to actually remember yes. to contact all of the publishers and and you start to think about the things that kind of appear on your doorstep mm. um, that you just take for granted. And, and now I've got to actually remember to let people know I've moved because you can redirect Australia Post but you can't mm. redirect couriers, you know. Yes, so, but um, also yeah. even when you contact all of those people, as I did, sometimes they don't update their their records and you still get them at the old place. Oh. Just oh. to set your expectations. Just so you know, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll manage my expectations going forward. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, is that So that's all you're doing? Just admin. Oh gosh, I am I am potentially working out of a new studio. You know that I do art. Um yes. and with a collective of people. So, um I ha- that hasn't happened yet. So, I'm very excited because I think that now that um that's happening, I've had a, I've got a whole bunch of ideas that are just busting to come out, but I'll let you know once it actually happens for sure. So, you're going to be leaving the house to do that. No, <laughs> it's so bizarre. How, how are you going to do that at two o'clock in the morning? How's that well, going to work? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yes, that's the thing, Valerie. Are you trying mm. to set boundaries around your? Yeah, but it might not work. Well, it time? might it. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Wow. Okay, because that is part of your insomniac practice. Yes, but you know what's interesting? This house is a bit bizarre and we've got the electricians um, in to sort it out. But there was obviously some programming um, that had been done previously and uh, the my office, where my office is at home, the lights will turn off, I'm not kidding, at 7 o'clock every night <laughs> by what? themselves. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's so and bizarre. I'm sitting there and it just goes in total darkness and I'm like, oh, okay. So that's someone setting boundaries. That's someone yes. saying, you know what? It's it really to, is. It's time to leave the office now. Yep, it really is. But <laughs> it's a little bit annoying <laughs> as well. So I need to override that. Anyway. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Let's move on. You are involved in the Shoalhaven Readers and Writers Festival. I mean, you've recently been to the Capricorn Coast Writers Festival, and that went really well. I have. Tell us about the 
festival junkie. Um, tell us about the Shoalhaven Readers and Writers Festival. Well, I'm pretty excited because our program has gone live. Our website has gone live. You will find it at shoalhavenreadersandwritersfestival.com.au. <laughs> and I, it's a lot better than what I just made it sound like, really. Um, and we're, I'm really excited. It's it's uh, scheduled for the 30th, Friday the 30th and Saturday the 31st of July. We've got Exciting. author talks. We're going, we've got a great school program. We've got workshops with the amazing Helena Fox who, of course, mm -hmm. won the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Writing for Young People a couple of years ago. She's going to be doing teenage workshops as well as um, adult workshops. Um, we've got a poetry slam, which just looks amazing. We've got this very cool little venue. Um, it's going to be uh, – the, the festival's held in Nowra, um, in the centre of Nowra, and there's a great little, fest, um, great little venue there called El Horses, um, and there's, they usually have music and stuff there, but we're having our, our poetry slam there. Um, I'll be launching the Wolf's Howl at the <gasps> festival. There will be a launch. I know. With dress-ups, you can come dressed as a knight or a random lady or lord or whatever, and there will oh, be wow. prizes for the best costumes. Uh, so that will all take place. The So the, the festival proper will take place in the Nara Library on Saturday the 31st. The school workshops will occur on the Friday. We're going to nine schools this year, uh, which is fantastic. We'll be speaking to more than 2,500 kids. Um, and then on the Friday night we will be having the festival launch, which will be a lovely you know, cocktail party type mm. of vibe um, with Gary Lonsborough who we actually interviewed for the podcast, I cannot remember how many episodes ago, but quite a mm. few. Gary uh, wrote a book called The Boy from the Mish, which was one of the, uh, has, has been one of the standout, like breakout YA novels of the year. He has uh, ties uh, to our to our area. He's, um, he's kind of like grown up on the far south coast, like down mm. around Bega, and then he also has family ties here in the Shoalhaven. So we're very, very excited to be um, having Gary at our festival. We've also got the amazing R.A. Spratt, who, of oh, course, yes. is the superstar author of Friday Barnes, Nanny mm. Piggins and Assorted Other Things, and the lovely Sue Whiting, who huh. is a, yes, who is a presenter uh, at the Australian Writers' Centre, also a publisher, amazing author, on the CBCA shortlist this year for her book, The Book of Chance. And she, uh, what was I going to say about Sue? Something. She's going to be doing something amazing. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Her, um, her book uh, is Beware the Deep Dark Forest, one of her picture books, which came out last year. The illustration for our festival, uh, all of our festival uh, publicity and promotion has been created by Annie White, who was the illustrator of that book, and it's actually uh -huh. an illustration from the book because the theme of the festival is words in the wild. Wow. So I think it's going to be great, and I really hope that any of our listeners who are, you know, anywhere in the zone, anywhere yes. near the Shoalhaven, uh, you know, or maybe, you know, pop down for the weekend if, of course, COVID allows you to do so. Um, mm. But we would absolutely – I'd love to see you there. So, you know, please come along and join us. I think it's going to be awesome. How wonderful. What fun. Yes, it will be fun, lots of fun. I'm yes. looking forward to it. All right. So also we want to give a big shout out to Alex Strath, <laughs> who kindly left us a five-star review. And Alex Strath said, a dynamic duo here to help you through the writing journey. Valerie and Alison bring you great authors to learn more about your writing journey. And I love it because Alex is from the United States, all the way from oh. America and has g'day. left us a, yeah, g'day, exactly. So um, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. And of course, if any other listeners have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app, um, we'd be really grateful because it helps us in the rankings. I also want to just highlight to those of you who have downloaded this quickly that you have not very long left for the 30 June sale at the Australian Writers Centre. Obviously, it's the end of financial year. You may even be able to tax deduct some of the things, some of the courses, but there's some fantastic courses that are 
40% off, up to 40% off. There's a whole list of courses to choose from. It's only until the 30th of June. Special gift from us to you. Now, just go to writercenter.com.au slash sale. That's writercenter.com.au slash sale. Now, also, Al, there are the Australian Book Design Awards, aren't there? There are those. They have the winners. In fact, have been announced. It's all very, very exciting. Um, yes. And I do love, I do love the Book Design Awards. One yes. of the questions that I get asked a lot when I go to school talks mm-hmm. is, you know, do I illustrate the covers myself of mm-hmm. my own books? And I have to admit that I, in fact, do not because I mm-hmm. am can only draw stick figures. Um, but the process of how book covers come together has always fascinated me and yeah. it's there's a lot of people involved in it uh, at publishing houses or even if you're indie publishing you you know you need either the photograph or the illustration you need someone to design the cover for you yeah. you are thinking the the uh, publishers are thinking about you know where this book is sits within the pantheon of what else is out there mm. in that particular genre they want it to look like it's going to fit within that genre, but they also want it to stand out within that genre. So there's a lot going on um, about uh, with regards to book design. So um, the best design commercial fiction cover was actually voted as All Our Shimmering Skies by Trent Dalton, published by Fourth Estate, and it was designed by Darren Holt. Mm. Um, and I do remember that cover as being very, very beautiful. I don't have it in front of me, um, yes. but it was a very, very, very beautiful colourful. cover. Mm. Yes, it was. And have you seen any on there that you particularly remember or loved? Um, let me see. Oh, well, that was the one that definitely stood out, um, All the Shimmering Skies, because no doubt, I mean, uh, that book just went crazy, right? <laughs> That's right. It did go crazy. <laughs> um, I often wonder whether, because sometimes book covers just get it so right. You you are at the bookshop and you you literally are drawn to a cover, right? And yeah, you are drawn right. to a cover and you pick it up for whatever reason, because it's beautiful or because it may not be beautiful, but it's intriguing in some mm. way. And mm. and yet there are some books that I, I was talking about one to a publisher the other day, well, to, sorry, to a former publisher, and I said, oh, my God, that makes me, that book does not make me want to pick it up. In fact, that book makes me want to th- throw it across the room and go, and it's scary. <laughs> mm, really? And Yes, I'll show it to you offline. Um, okay. But <laughs> secret but, vowel business. <laughs> but the content, when I forced myself to pick it up, really interesting. Oh right. Yeah, okay. and like I would read it for sure. But you realise no... we've just got we've got thousands of people listening <laughs> to us right now, going, "What could this thing possibly be?" And I'm not going to um, tell. <laughs> I don't want to be unkind about the cover. Uh, no, no, you know, fair enough. So, yeah. and, and I would definitely read it, like definitely. Uh, but I would never have discovered it because even if somebody had put it in front of me, it repelled me. The oh. cover actually <laughs> repelled me. I know, it, that's strong, but it's true. Cannot it, wait to see this thing. Yeah, it'll scare you. Um, okay. And so... It, we say don't judge a book by its cover and, of course, in theory we should not, but we do. <laughs> well, we do. And I have to say that I feel as though we are in the middle of a purple patch of glory when it comes to um, Australian children's fiction and the covers that are being produced at the moment because they, there are some extraordinarily beautiful books out there at the moment. And interestingly, Megan and I were talking about this on Your Kids Next Read, there's a little bit of a tendency at the moment for them to come out in hardback. There are some mm. beautiful gift editions. There's a new one by Emily Rodder called Eliza Vander's Button Box, which mm. has just a beautiful, beautiful cover. But the best designed children's fiction book for this year's awards was actually um, another cover that makes you just want to pick the book up. It was called We Are Wolves by Katrina Nanestead, uh, produced by ABC Books and designed by Hazel Lamb. And it is exquisite. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. And not only is it a beautiful cover, mm. but the actual story, the book itself, is just getting rave reviews. It is 
constantly recommended within the Your Kids Next Read group. It's mm. historical fiction. It is just extraordinary. Um, the other one that that really hit the sweet spot there too, as far as the um, as far as the children's book. Uh, sorry, as far as the what am I talking about? Design <laughs> awards, book design yes. awards. <laughs> I just had a complete moment of like synapse here. <laughs> There's a book called This Small Blue Dot by Zeno oh, yes. Sorda, uh, published by Thames and Hudson, uh, designed by Zeno, Zeno, sorry, I, I apologise if I've got that wrong, Sorda. Um, and now I, I haven't read this one, but mm. Megan raves, like raves about this book constantly. Like mm. it's the kind of book that if someone – like Megan Daly, who is a teacher, librarian slash, you know, blogger slash whatever, if she is pressing it upon every single person that she meets, which is what she's doing, like she's mm. kind of like she's a pusher, um, then it's obviously it's an amazing book and it's it's been uh, named as the best designed children's illustrated book uh, in, in the Australian Book Design Awards. So, wow. you know, I think we we really are in the middle of a of an amazing patch for for the design, particularly of of children's books, and I'm only saying that because that's where I'm mostly, you know, sort of positioned at the moment. But yes. um, have a look at the list. We will put the look the list in the show notes. Yep. Uh, Booksandpublishing.com.au has has put the full list together of the Australian Book Design Awards 2021 winners, and have a look at them because they're amazing. Wonderful. All right, on to our giveaway this week. We have three copies of Instructions for Dancing by Nicola Yun to give away, and you could win one of those three copies. A standout new young adult romance from the number one best-selling author of Everything Everything. This has been described as dirty dancing with a supernatural twist. Evie is disillusioned about love ever since her parents split, but when she's given a copy of a book and follows a note inside to a dilapidated dance studio, she discovers she has a strange and unwelcome gift. When a couple kisses in front of her, she can see their whole relationship play out from the moment they first catch each other's eye to the last bitter moments of their breakup. (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> what a gift! For if for Evie, it confirms everything she thinks she knows about love—that it doesn't last. But then she meets X, tall, dreadlocked, fascinating, and they start to learn to dance together. Can X help break the spell that Evie is under? Oh, okay. Mm. Well, interesting. Yeah, interesting. For your chance to win one of three copies of Instructions for Dancing by Nicola Yun. Go to writercentre.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 5th of July. Writercentre.com.au slash win. So now, Al, are you ready for the word of the week? I'm ready. Hit me. Temerarious. Temerarious. Mm, maybe I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I was ready. So T-E-M-E-R-A-R-I-O-U-S, Temerarious. Do you know it? No, I don't. Okay. So you might think that it has something to do with um, Temerara Morrison, you know, (laughs) who was in Star Wars and Once Were Warriors and played like Boba Fett in The Mandalorian. Wouldn't have been my first thought, but okay. Who let's played go. Aquaman's I'll, I'll, I'm, dad? I'm happy to go with you. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but it's not anything to do with him. No. It's an adjective meaning reckless, rash, and is related to the noun temerity. Hmm. Hmm. So you could say the temerarious young woman ran down the hill chasing the rolling wheel of double Gloucester cheese. <laughs> She right. really likes cheese. Do you think she would, like, honestly, <laughs> would we use it like that? Temerarious. Well, you might. Well, you use the word tem- pe- temerity. People use I the word use the, I would temerity. use the, the word temerity. Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, so you I think we should move on. Use... You've left me with a picture of double Gloucester cheese rolling down a hill, which just makes me sad. So <gasps> let's just, you know, move on. All right. That was the word of the week. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd like to write fiction for kids and teens, our five-week online course, How to Write for Children and Young Adults, will help you get there faster. Find your voice, create characters, dialogue and plots to fit your age group and write compelling stories that young readers will love, all in a couple of hours a week. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning from anywhere and get your very own tutor providing personal feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. All right, so let's move on to our writer in residence this week. Who is it, Al? Oh, this week we have the very interesting Christy Byrne to talk to. I met Christy at a, because I am apparently a writer's festival junkie, I met her at a writer's festival a couple of years ago uh, that we were both at and she, at that time, she was hilarious because she arrived on a plane dragging the biggest suitcase I have ever seen in my life. And I'm thinking, like, Mm. you know, we tend to try to travel fairly light, generally speaking, like you have to carry the banner of glory and you've got your bits. But we got off the plane and she drags this thing and I said to her, what what have you got in there? Mm. And she's like, I've got my props. I'm like, props? I don't have props. Now, I'm, you know, you suddenly you have performance anxiety because you don't have props and she's got props for her school talks, right? Um, But she is a science writer and she was at that stage talking about sort of a a non-fiction science series that she had. So she was like literally doing science experiments in her school talks and and Like Dr. Julia Sumner. Yeah, like she, like she's great, and she's really kind of like she's very effervescent, and she's like lots of fun. Anyway, um, she has got a new series out called Wednesday Weeks, and the first book is called The Tower of Shadows, and it's about a girl who's all about science. She believes in science, oh, cool. and she is dragged into a world of fantasy when her um, her uncle, who's a wizard, goes missing or something. Like, I mean, it's it's that perfect setup of science versus fantasy. And mm. she co-authored the book with Dennis Knight. So she's written it. It's in first person and it's co-authored, which I just find amazing. And mm. it's great. All right. So let's have a listen to Christy Byrne. Christy Byrne has worked as a science communicator for 20 years and a children's author for more than 10. She has also performed in a science circus, worked as a garbage analyst, which sounds like fun, and was a reporter at CERN, which is the European Organization for Nuclear Research. Christy has degrees in biotechnology and science communication, and her 10 books have been published in three languages across six countries. Her latest novel, co-written with Dennis Knight, is Wednesday Weeks and the Tower of Shadows, and it's out now with Lothian Books in Australia. Goodness me, welcome to the program, Christy. Thanks so much, Alison. It's great to be here. So you're very, very impressive. Like there's a lot of, you know, numbers and and science and nuclear and all that sort of stuff going on there. Um, So let's just kind of go back. We're going to wind back into the realms of time. And when in the middle of all of this sciencey business did you start writing novels for children? I think um, that the novels for children bug came before the sciencey business. So... You know, as a kid, I loved reading and I always secretly wanted to be a writer. I think I, I just loved the idea of being able to create a story that was as cool as some of the stories that I was reading. Um, but, you know, I was too scared because what if I wasn't good enough? What if my stories weren't good enough? So I never really wrote anything until I studied science communication and then we were um, compelled to write something as part of that course and I started writing about science news and about discoveries and inventions and it was this gateway drug. <laughs> it was a, it was an opportunity to say, you know, actually you can write, you are okay at this um, and why not give writing novels a shot as well? So were you were you like this person like cuz i can only imagine that your um you know lack of confidence with your with writing at that point kind of went all the way back were you like just designated the science kid or something at school like what not at all but i mean my fear came in year 8 we had to do a creative writing assignment and my teacher asked us to um 
write an alternative world. So imagine that you're going through a black hole and write me a fantasy world that happens on the other side of this black hole. And I was so into that. I was like, wicked. I love fantasy. This is going to be my best story ever. And I just went at it full bore and I wrote like 10 pages and I drew the pictures and I, you know, how you had to do borders on the outside of your lined paper. I did all that. Shading. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I went full on. (laughs) And, and, my teacher's response was to circle all the places that I'd missed my apostrophes, you know, apostrophe S, which I still despise. Um, and and she actually failed me. She gave me, uh, you know, less than 50%. Because um, she didn't have your apostrophes in the right place. Well, that's, yeah, and because I didn't, like, nail the brief of what kind of plants would there be in this fantasy world. You know, I was just carried away with my dialogue and the adventures and and because I didn't, like – tick all the boxes she failed me um and I just went home and cried and decided you know that I sucked and I could never ever write anything ever again (laughs) um and you know I think it doesn't really matter what other people think of your writing but when you're in year eight it does Mm. and yeah so I kind of took that to heart a bit and then when I was doing the science communication that, that was also my worst grade. So I did really well at the performance side of it and, uh, you know, making science exhibits side of it. But the science writing was my lowest grade again. But I just love it, Alison. I can't not write. I just love making stuff out of words. So I just kept doing it even though it's um, not maybe what I do best. I don't know. But, <laughs> but now it is what I do best because I've worked at it so hard. So, Yeah. All right. So with all that, you know, bearing all of that in mind, you know, how did your first book come to be published? Like, how did you get over that line and over that sort of um, barrier of thinking, this is not what I do best? So I like to fail in private, you know, like our society has a real thing about failure and public failure is just to be avoided at all costs. So I was um, big into failing privately. So I'd enter writing competitions because nobody knows then. It's mm. not like you're um, you're kind of anonymous, right? You just you write your entry and you send it in and you get rejected and that's okay because um, you, you weren't the number one, that's fine. You know, like you, that you're not always going to win. And so I didn't win ever for a long time. <laughs> and then um, – and then one day I saw a competition where you had to write um, a whole novel. It had to be like 30,000 words, a children's novel, and it was due in a month's time. So, you know, being the maths person, I was like, okay, 30,000 words, 30 days, 1,000 words a day. I will give this a shot. So I just like wrote as fast as I could and I wrote this whole novel in 30 days and I sent it into the competition and I didn't get anywhere. <laughs> I failed it again. But that was my first novel. And then I, I thought, well, how can I make it better? Like I've written a whole novel. Now that's cool. I never thought I could do a novel. And I started to um, research and listen to – not podcasts back then, but, you know, to, to learn from other writers, listen to other writers. And I worked on that novel for two years and I submitted the same story to the same competition two years later. And I won. Ah. Um, and the prize was $2,000, Alison. So I knew that writing was the business for me. Absolutely. <laughs> I was writing. Like, <laughs> $2,000, two years of work. I can do the math. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and the other part of it was if they really loved it, they would publish it. And of course, they didn't really love it and it, and it never got published. So that manuscript is still in the bottom drawer with thousands of others. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was enough to go, you can do it, keep going. And so I just kept trying and, and started wallpapering my house with rejection. And then um, I won a competition and, and they did actually decide to publish it. So that was amazing, amazing. Okay, so just, let, like, just winding that back a little tiny bit, we'll, go, we'll get back to the amazing in a minute. Um, <laughs> what do you think was the major difference in that same story? Like you know that won the competition oh, two yeah, years yeah. two years later. What what was the difference? What do you think Craft. was the difference? Yeah, craft. So I, I I just wrote that without you know like if I wanted to be a footballer, I'd have to practice football. I hadn't practiced. I hadn't actually um, read enough books or um, tried enough 
techniques. You know, you've got to, it's, it's a craft, right? You have to practice it. Yeah. And so I spent that time practicing and learning and trying. Yeah. And you got there. <laughs> you push through. All right. Let's talk. Like, it's a constant push through. Every novel, every book, every yeah. day is a constant push through. So it, it just teaches you that resilience and courage to um, keep doing what you want to do. So incredibly true. All right. So we got to the woohoo moment. <laughs> we got there. And what was that first book? What was that first novel? So that book is a fantasy called Takesh the Demons, which. Uh, was based on my time living in Japan. I've lived for three years in Japan, and mm-hmm. they have these amazing monsters, yokai, and they are monsters that um, are around in our everyday lives. So they are the explanations that people came up with hundreds of years ago for scientific phenomena that we now understand. So things right. like if you have a um, an oil lamp, you'll get that black stain on your ceiling, but they didn't say oh that's a black stain from the oil lamp they were like that is a monster that crawls around on the ceiling licking it in the middle of the night and that's why you have a stain on your ceiling Mm -hmm. so i was just like fascinated by all of these amazing monsters and i wrote them into this first um fantasy novel and that turned into a three-part series which was you know just a a great way to kick off a publishing career wow um so what I'm interested in with that is that you've done, you know, science communication um, and yet you went to fiction, like it was fiction that you were trying to get published, not, you know, what, what some people might have thought was a more straightforward sort of entry into publishing, which was I'm going to write a nonfiction, you know, yeah. book for children about, you know, nuclear physics or whatever it is that you're going to write about. Um, what? you weren't drawn to that idea? Like that wasn't something that you sort of thought, oh, I could do this and that would be my stepping stone into, you know, publishing? Not not at all because that was my day job. So I was already working as a science journalist and every day I was writing um, nonfiction science. So I secretly wanted to just play with ideas and make stuff up and, you know, have, have this fantasy world where anything could happen. Um, and, and that is science. Science is a world where anything can happen. It's super exciting. But I just wanted to flex those other muscles and, and play a bit more. Do you, do you find when you're – because I'm, I'm just fascinated by this fact and fantasy aspect of your character, like someone who is, you know, so interested in facts and so driven by facts on a day job perspective and then, as you say, is like making stuff up. Um, <laughs> it. Do you ever find when you're making stuff up that you part of you is going, oh, this is just not going to work scientifically and I need to think about this in a different way? Or does it ever hold you back, do you think? So maybe I haven't been entirely um, honest here because I don't often make stuff up, actually, now that I think of there it. There you go. Because to catch the demons is based on history, right? The, yeah. the monsters and that are not made up. I didn't make them up. They are culturally a part of Japanese history. Yep. And then even with the, um, the the outdoor adventures that I write, there's a lot of um, fact in there about the bush yep. and about our environment and the craft of, you know, how do you stay alive in, the, in a rainforest? A lot of that is, is fact. And then even when I'm looking at writing fantasy, I'm inspired by what I read in the science news, the incredibly cool stuff. Like just this morning I saw this this, um, this this school in Queensland and they're like renovating and they discovered a moth this morning right in the news and the moth is the size of a small cat. It's like this enormous what? moth. Yeah, you can see a picture <laughs> of it. And, and so the kids used that moth that they found in their school to bounce ideas around for creative writing. So they started writing um, – creative stories based on this massive moth and some of them were writing you know that it that it ate their teacher and <laughs> took over the school and so I do get a lot of inspiration from real life in that way I don't I don't make stuff out of a vacuum you're absolutely right no but I love that too because that's something that I mean and and you obviously do a lot of school talks as as I do a lot of school talks so we can talk about this in a way that y- you would definitely understand but I you know I'm often standing up the front of a class going you know you use the stuff that you know if you are a science kid or a maths kid you have that logical you know 
this happens, then that happens, then this happens kind of brain. And in actual fact, people um, and kids in particular will be like, you know, I'm a math kid or a science kid, you know, I, I don't do this creative stuff. I don't make stuff up because that's not real and that's not what we do. And I'm like, well, you've got a writing superpower. And I think you are probably the adult version personified of that <laughs> writing superpower, which I am fascinated by, you know, just that use of fact to build fantasy, I think is um, amazing. So, you know, if you haven't read a Christy Byrne book, you need to go and have a look at them to see <laughs> what I'm talking about. And what you can look at is the new one, which is Wednesday Weeks and the Tower of Shadows, which is, you know, the premise of it is in a world of magic, can science save the day? Which, um, you know, I find really interesting of taking that fantasy idea and putting science at the centre of it. So, Tell us a bit about Wednesday Weeks and the Tower of Shadows. Uh, it's, it's a really fun book and it's so nice because it's co-written so I can like gush about it because it's not <laughs> totally my work. Uh, it's really funny. It's really exciting. It's co-written with a debut author called Dennis Knight and uh, it's about this girl Wednesday Weeks who loves science. She loves, um, you know, she's curious and she's interested in her world. And she's also inherited magical ability from her grandfather, but she's not really keen on that because it messes up what she's trying to do. So anytime <laughs> she's trying to, you know, pass science at school, some magical interference will come and, and fireballs will rain from the ceiling. In it. And she's unhappy <laughs> with this because, you know, it's embarrassing and it's awkward and she just wants to be an ordinary kid. Um, and then grand, Grandpa gets stolen by this evil uh, goblin king with terrible personal hygiene and they have to uh, travel through the Nine Realms to try and rescue him from the dreaded Tower of Shadows. So it's hilarious and um, just so much fun to write. I really, really like it. It's a very like it is a really fun a really fun read and I do I love the voice of it like there's a lovely humour that rolls through the whole um, through the whole novel um, and it's actually told from the first person point of view of you know, Wednesday's perspective and I wondered how you manage that with a with two authors like it's a, you know that one voice first person here's the character did you have to work on clarifying that voice first or did you just like leap in and hope for the best <laughs> the latter yes of course oh, no. I knew you'd say that <laughs> um we did sit down and we went okay like well let's write something really good together and we tried to find something perfect and you can't ever be perfect so we just got paralyzed by this desire to write something great and in the end we were like well let's not try to write something great let's just try to write something and Dennis wrote the first chapter of one book and I wrote the first chapter of another book and then we swapped that chapter. And then Dennis wrote chapter two and I wrote chapter two and then we swapped it again. So we were writing two books set in two worlds with two sets of characters. Wow. Um, but alternating chapters on a killer deadline. So we were alternating chapters every two days and they were thousand-word chapters. So you had to read what your partner had written process that, think about that, decide where the story was going to go and then extend that voice, those characters and that storyline into the next part of the story. So it was wicked fun. It was basically a game. It was like a high-paced writing game. Why um, were you doing two at once? Just fun. What? Just fun. <laughs> like, and it was so freeing. Did you ever do that as a kid, though? Like, I would have five books on the go at once, and my mum would be like, how can you even know what the Famous Five are doing when you're reading about the Secret Seven? And I'd be like, I know exactly what they're doing because I'm into it. Like, I'm totally focused on all these adventures at the same time. Um, but it was, it was fun because while you were focused on the second book, the characters in the first book would be doing something that you had never – conceived of or imagined because Dennis was writing it and then mm. the email would arrive in your box right and you open it up and you read it because these characters that you love are doing something completely of their own volition like I didn't write that I, I didn't imagine that I didn't expect that and now they're doing it it was brilliant it was like having them come alive it was so exciting it is I have to agree I think co-writing is a very fun way to write a novel um, I have to ask what happened to the other book Nothing so far. Nothing so far. But okay. watch this space, Alison. Watch this space. Okay. <laughs> and the other thing I have to ask is the idea for Wednesday, like was that, you know, had you at least kind of like figured out the kernel of 
who she was and what it was all about? Like, where did the idea for that come from, this scientific person who ended up, you know, with magic? So this um, Wednesday weeks is Dennis's brainchild. And right. he sat down and went, okay, we've got Christy, we've got Dennis. What, uh, what do we bring to the table? And Dennis is a computer programmer. So he also has that science uh, side to his personality. And that's what we wanted to show is that you don't have to be a science kid or a math kid. Mm. You don't have to choose. And, in fact, putting yourself in that box is really limiting. Like yeah. creative people can be scientists because science is just about creativity. Science is just about wonder, right? Looking at the world and going, that is so cool. I want to know more. It's about curiosity and, and creative mm. people are super curious so yeah we wanted to go let's not um let's not have a kid who is a science kid or a math kid let's have a kid who is all of these things together and she's coping and creating in the in the real world so yeah it, it was just um sort of an evolution but i think it was kicked off with that kernel from chapter one that dennis sent into my box and of course that the book that you read now is not divided into chapters in that way. It's it's not alternating anymore because we've edited it so much. You know, the original one was, I don't know, 20,000 words long because yeah. it was just that game. And then we've worked on it and worked on it. and um, To bring yeah. that cohesive voice to it. Yeah, although I think the voice was always pretty cohesive because mm. that was part of the game. So, you know, when I got chapter one, I got a highlighter and I highlighted what was Wednesday saying, what was Elfie saying, how did they speak, how does Mrs. Glock speak? How does Grandpa speak? And then carried that through into the next chapter, but up to the ante. And my favourite thing to do, not that I'm evil, <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm evil, but it's really fun to write your characters into a dead end and then go, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> Fix that. Your chapter. Off you go. See what you can do with that. <laughs> because, you know, like – Maybe there's a safety net when it's your own book and you think, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get them out of that. I better not put them in it. But yeah. when it's not your problem, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave you right, leave you there yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so fun. I love that. And I also, I love what you said about curiosity because I think um, that is, remember the curiosity show like from 100 years ago? Um, I think curious is such a great word because I think it is one of those words that it it is the key to creativity as well as to science, as well as to so many things, don't you think? Curiosity? Yeah. yeah. The key. Just wanting to know. Wanting to know. I just always want to know what happens next. And, that, and even if, if I have to make it up myself, I want to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and what if is the big question, you know, that people always say, if you need an idea, just ask what if. And that is the ultimate curious question. What if I push this button, you know? Yeah, so true. <laughs> what if I do? Yeah. Now, just switching gears a little bit, the last year you have actually launched three titles, three books. You you had Beneath the Trees, you had uh, STEM Stars, Fiona Wood, inventor of Spray on Skin, which is a nonfiction for kids, and of course Wednesday Weeks, which has just come out recently. Um, that's a big year, Christy. Like, what are the, let's just let me just put that out there. That's a big year. Um, what are the challenges involved in in multiple launches like that? COVID? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's push that big thing aside. What are the other challenges involved? <laughs> um, because they're all so different. So Beneath the Trees is based on a true story. And I think last I saw you, Alison, we were in Queensland and mm. I just come off the back of this experience. So I don't know if you um, saw my bare legs, but they were covered in leech bites. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> so, so that story is based on um, this incredible family adventure that we had in the rainforest trying to see wild platypus. And... Um, you know, if I had my time again, I probably wouldn't have taken my children into that dangerous place. <laughs> but, but, you know, despite the mudslides and the flash floods and the bleached <laughs> tsunami, we survived. So that, that book came so much from real life and it just came out of me like a, you know, like a tsunami. It just came out really, really rapidly because it was so fresh. Yeah. And I was asking my kids to write in their diary and then I was like, well, I should write in my diary too. And it just came out. And then the Fiona Wood book, that was a true story. That's the true story of Professor Fiona Wood, who is an Australian of the Year 
the inventor of spray on skin, one of our one of the world's leading burns surgeons. So mm. if anyone is unlucky enough to be burned or to have a family member burn, especially in Western Australia, you will come under her care because she is the head of the burns unit and she she's like um, everybody loves her in Western Australia especially. Mm. She she is the most um, brave and inspiring and creative and dedicated person and to be able to dive into her childhood and her life and work out like how did you get to be this incredible person what drives you how come you don't just collapse in the corner you know shaking how yeah. do you do it um, and I got to be in her head writing that book and be you know kind of inhabit her headspace for a while well, I tried to anyway. That's what I that's what I was trying to do. Um, so that was really intense as well because you have to write. You've got such a responsibility. It's not my story, right? It's mm. someone's real life, mm. and that was really um, maybe the hardest book that I've ever written because it had to be true and it had to be so carefully done. Uh, she was the head surgeon during the Bali bombings response. Yeah, I remember. So she had um, you know dozens of badly injured patients arriving at her hospital when she was in charge and um, to write that for children was especially challenging mm. so I mean that was incredible and then Wednesday weeks is a whole different thing again it's funny and it's fast and it's fantasy so there's you know three such different head spaces um, that I think it was easy to keep them compartmentalized and to do a little bit of work on each one each day yeah are you Asking's not good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you uh, in the publicising of those and uh, promoting of those titles? Um, you know, like generally speaking, I, I know from being on the other side of the jump that um, something like the Fiona Wood book, you would probably have got more interviews, more sort of um, conversations around than than the fiction in some ways, because fiction generally tends to be harder to promote through. On most channels, or has that not been the case? It has probably been the case, and I think mm. that's also because um, the Fiona Wood book is part of a series. Of course, yeah. So um, there's multiple authors across Australia promoting multiple Aussie STEM stars, these mm. hero scientists. Mm. Um, so Eddie Wu, for example, the um, that incredible maths teacher and the author guy. and yeah. gorgeous person, <laughs> yeah. uh, was on TV the other day promoting it. So there's a lot of buzz. And also the timing is right. Mm. Look at what COVID has taught us. Mm. Scientists are not the evil genius in the tower all by themselves. They are bringing us the vaccine. They are bringing us the hope. And they are, um, you know, they're changing the world. Look at climate change. What we need is people who can think outside the box and work together and who are brave enough to stand up to a problem and make tomorrow better. And that's what scientists do every day. So, like... I'm so driven to break down those stereotypes about what science is. You don't have to be an evil genius to be curious or to want to make tomorrow better, you know. <laughs> yeah, so true. Yeah. Um, so what are the, what are some of the things that you do to promote your other books? Like what are the, some of the things that you're doing, you know, on are you are you active on social media? Are you I know you do when you can. Um, you know, a lot of speaking in schools and that sort of stuff. So is that what you focus on, like taking your message directly to, to kids? That is such a hard question. Alison. I know. And like I, That's why I ask it because yeah, I'm the asker some, of the hard questions. <laughs> writing is a business, right? Mm. So sometimes you've got to do the things that you don't want to do, like your tax. Um, and for me, one of those things that I don't really enjoy, and I think it perhaps comes across in how I do it. I don't really enjoy social media. I'd mm. much rather sit down with a real person and have a coffee. Yeah. I'd much rather chat to real people at a school or talk to people or go to a festival. Like I love that. I'm a introvert, extrovert. I love to be by myself and I love to be with other people. Um, and social media is none of those things. It's just this weird hybrid thing for me. So um, – I kind of struggle to do it right and I just keep trying because, you know, um, perfect is the enemy of good enough. So I'm fumbling my way through trying to do that and I make heaps of mistakes and I don't do it right. Um, 
but I've got to do it, right? I've got to give it a shot. You so, do. You have yeah. a great website. Your website's really well organised. I'll, just, I'll just give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Go and have a look at christyburns.com. <laughs> and it's C-R-I-S-T-Y-B-U-R-N-E.com. It's a very well organised website. Um, so just on the literary festival thing, we did meet there um, at a festival a couple of years ago with your leech leech marts all over your legs um i wasn't going to mention that um i know that you're um you're actually in hot demand as a speaker in schools and i, I do you think it's because demand has grown for that combination of science and creativity over the years yeah i think so i think um yeah we, we there's a lot of emphasis on stem at the moment yeah science, technology, engineering maths and you can't have experts at stem in isolation like you can't only be good at chemistry mm. because like science needs to be applied in the real world and so i think we need compassion as well as uh science and we need that um ability to walk in someone else's shoes and that comes from books right that comes from mm. literature of understanding other people and how life is for them and so that combination of yes, let's make the world a better place, and and let's um, have compassion for each other and kindness for each other, and let's work together on these global problems, and that's yeah, that's something that's so important to me. And I think because I love I love I love going into schools, I love talking to the kids, I love listening to them laugh. Like I think I'm addicded to standing on the stage. Does this and, have to do with your science circus laugh. background? <laughs> Yeah, 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 probably it comes from that. Are you doing acrobatics? <laughs> I do remember, I have to say, I do remember that you had, um, I remember we all turned up at the airport and you had like like masses of suitcases. I just I just remember there being like props, so many props. Um, is that a key to a great author talk for you, is like millions of props? That's my security blanket. <laughs> Maybe you can explain some of the props that you use. <laughs> I get them all out and I put them all away and sometimes I don't use them at all. <laughs> what, what have you got in there? What's in those suitcases? Um, the, the thing, the prop that comes out most often, I guess, at the moment, because I'm trying to cut back on my um, need to like put my back out every time I go to <laughs> the excess baggage charges. So yeah. <laughs> now I carry a plastic straw and a pair of nail scissors. Ooh. And I like to ask the kids, you know, I hold up the straw and I like to ask them, what is this? And they go, it's a straw. And, you know, we run through the things it could be. It could be a moustache. It could be, you know, an arrow. It could be a blow dart, whatever. Um, but also it's a, it's a piece of pollution and I call it a turtle killer. Mm. And I run through, you know, why, why do people in cafes give you this turtle killer? Do, they, do you look like, you know, the kind of person who can't drink a milkshake with your face? You know, you, you have a perfectly good face. Why do you need this turtle killer to drink a milkshake? And I just try and, you know, it's fun. And then I can show them, it doesn't sound fun, <laughs> turtle mm. killing. But um, I, I run through, you know, I turn it into a little whistle, a straw whistle, a, a straw trumpet. And we run through the science of sound and pitch. And also this idea that you don't need this stupid non-recyclable straw every time you order a milkshake and to yeah. give them the courage to go, I don't want a straw, thanks. You know, <laughs> just, to, just to speak up. So, so often we don't speak up. Today I was walking down the street. You know, I used to be a garbage analyst, <laughs> which oh, yeah. involves looking through people's rubbish bins to see are they recycling properly, are they dividing their waste properly, and the answer is usually no. And right. today I saw, like, aluminium cans in someone's rubbish bin and it just makes me want to cry like what about the future i know aluminium cans is such a small step but it's a step we can take and you know let's do it let's um let's act and let's do the right thing and it doesn't cost anything but it does bring hope so yeah how did i get onto that we were talking about <laughs> talking about the fact that you've downsized from the enormous suitcase to a straw <laughs> which is no longer a problem <laughs> <laughs> all right um so what's next for christy Byrne? like i mean i'm sorry but three titles in the last year simply not enough what what are you doing next well i am um head down bum up trying to do edits on wednesday weeks and the crown of destiny which Ooh. is coming out in september so that is super exciting um 
And you'd think it'd be easier to write the second book in a series, but actually it's been harder because, you know, the first one was a game and the second one is serious now. Like, that's contracted. It needs to come out. So hopefully we've managed to um, make it just as fun and just as um, exciting as the first book. Fingers crossed. And then I'm working on another Aussie STEM stars, fingers crossed as well, because um, even though I found that so intense, like to try and write someone else's life, I learned so much from being around these incredible people. So I wanted to um, try and have that experience again. Uh, fingers crossed that that works out as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today. So we're going to finish up with our last question that we always ask our lucky guests. Um, what is your, well, what are your three top tips for writers? Well, I guess you can um, tell already that I'm not a fan of perfect. Mm. I think perfect is a poison and it's a poison in so many ways. So don't wait around to be perfect. Don't try and write the perfect first page or the perfect first chapter. Um, just like cross that straight off. Just aim for good enough and mm -hmm. then and then do it. Um, and the second tip, which has really helped my career, because when I was just trying to write fiction, I wasn't getting much traction. And then when I went, you know what, just write what you want to write, write what you love, write who you are. And I started injecting that science and tech into what I was doing. That, that helped so much. It shines through. So just be yourself. Bring yourself to the table, I think. Mm. Don't try and um, – be something that you're not. Just try and be as genuine as you can and it will shine through, I think. Definitely. And the third tip, that's the best tip, is read. Oh, my God, read, <laughs> read, 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 or you will drown under the earthquake of to-be-read pile next to your bed. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read. Um, and giving yourself that um, time off to read and soak up other people's creativity and other people's stories is so important to fueling your own creativity, I think. So I make time for that every day. So true. Well, thank you very much, Christy Byrne. Wednesday Weeks and the Tower of Shadows is out now in Australia um, as are Christy's other titles that she's been so busy with. And um, we look forward to seeing what happens next. Thanks so much, Alison. It was really lovely to catch up and I look forward to hanging out again next time. Next time. There we go, Christy Byrne. So interesting. Oh, uh, and just you know, like, what a great interview. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What a great, yeah. what an interesting life she's had. What a background. You know, you go from nuclear science to writing children's middle grade novels. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. All right, so we're almost at the end of this week's episode. Al, what are you doing in the coming week? I'm packing boxes, Valerie. I'm moving oh, yeah. house. That's it. Mm. There's no room for anything else. Mm. I've got nothing. I understand. <laughs> And listening to audiobooks, I finally discovered audiobooks. What? What? I know, it's taken, what do you mean it's you finally It's literally I... taken me this long to find a way to fit audiobooks into my life. Oh, my God. So do you um, pay per book or do you pay the membership thing? No, I use BorrowBox, which is my library's oh. borrowing system, and I just borrow whatever I can, whatever's available for me at the time for nothing. Oh, that's great. Borrow wow. box is great. Your library, I'm just saying this, Australian listeners, yes. your library has a full array of digital stuff and if you're not making the most of it, the ebook they have, like the ebooks there got me through all of that COVID stuff last year. I just kept borrowing wow. ebooks from the library. Nothing. Mm. Cost me nothing. Brilliant. Fantastic. Love it. And the thing yeah. I, disappointingly, ebooks and audiobooks, I don't think are covered by PLR and ELR. So normally I borrow mm -hmm. things from libraries knowing that the author is getting a payment through the public mm -hmm. lending rights or educational lending rights yeah. um, system. Unfortunately, I don't think ebooks are covered by that. And I think that that's something that the Australian Society of Authors is actually lobbying to change. And I think they should because I honestly feel as though more people have probably gone to ebooks through the library over the last year than at any yes. other time. Sure. That's my soapbox moment for today. Fantastic. Okay. Hmm. Audiobooks, take Alison's Audiobooks. advice. Fantastic when you're packing boxes, as I've yes. discovered. If you're a bit lazier like me, um, I subscribe to the membership with Audible where you get a certain amount of credits every month and then you can use your credits to um, 
purchase the audiobook, which is actually a lot cheaper than if you purchase the books individually. Yeah, because so. they're quite expensive. I know. Mm. Um, okay, so where do we find you online, Al? You'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.